What's up, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this week's episode of Armchair Producers, episode 188. I am one of your hosts, alongside the talent of the show, the one who will save us all, and also the death that becomes us all. Mr. Travis <laughs> Croft, how are you? I am fine and dandy, and welcome back, everybody. Apologies about the delay in the show this week. It was uh, my stuff up last week. Um, <laughs> And it certainly wasn't because the soccer was on. Because, no. no. <laughs> Wait, there's football? There was. Uh, yeah, Women's World Cup, I think about 8 million, 9 million Australians watched the game last week, um, huh? uh, which is about almost half the population, I guess. Like a third, a third of the population was watching the same show at the same time. Wow. It's weird. It doesn't happen much anymore, you know? No. And uh, for, for those who may not have spotted it, but could you tell the subtle Australian versus English person there? Soccer, mm. football. <laughs> uh, I have that situation in the house. Of course, Michelle, being of Argentinian descent, reminds mm -hmm. me at every occasion about it being football and a superior sport to the local code. Uh, I think the uh, um, AFL is more entertaining than regular soccer. You are going to cop it next time she sees you, I'll tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> I know how to needle people. Usually we... just being an arsehole. <laughs> I, I always get cracking onto this show, ladies and gentlemen, because we've made you wait an extra week for it. This is episode 188. We are following our chain moody on two smoking aces. Aces? Aces? Smoking aces, care of Matthew Fox from last chain, which was Speed Racer. Um, we have also got the other half of Barbenheimer, Oppenheimer, coming at you hot. And we are coming in after the controversial <laughs> film choices and opinions of one Jake Logan. Is that his name? Logan Wrestler? Paul? Logan Jake Paul? Paul? I don't know. I guess Logan Paul. There's two of them. There's a Jake Paul, there's a Logan Paul, and uh, yeah, I... Just really, really wish I didn't know they existed. Yeah, um, but uh, apparently he walked out of it because it was all talking. Okay, what did you think it was all explosions? Well, I mean, there were explosions, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, only a couple. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, we've got that. We have got smoke and aces, and we have got our this time so many years ago. The entirely up to date and entirely. Um, interesting American Graffiti by one young George Lucas. So let's get on with it straight away. And we are going to start off with, shall we start off with the chain movie? That's what, it's what, it's what we do. So let's do that. Um, do? Yeah. I just was quickly looking at it again because I, I did watch this a week or so ago and I'm like, what happened again? Um, Smoking Aces from 2006. Yeah. And a Las Vegas performer turned snitch named Buddy Israel decides to turn state's evidence and testify against the mob, it seems that a whole lot of people would like to make sure he's no longer breathing. Mm -hmm. Written and directed by Joe Carnahan. Um, who this is... after his kind of um, big intro with uh, NARC from 2002. Uh, he's not really got on with it a whole lot. Stuff like the uh, A-Team, don't mention that. Or yeah, boss he's... We talked about boss level, I think, earlier in the year or last year. It has yeah. Um, so that video game movie thing, it wasn't great. But um, no. the cast here is notable. Um, yeah. 
our Jeremy Piven, Ryan Reynolds, Ray Liotta, Ben Affleck, Peter Berg, Common, Martin Henderson, Alicia Keys, uh, Andy and Garcia. Garcia. It's it's a cracking cast, uh -huh. um, and and kind of a I don't know what how would you describe it? Kind of a neo Tarantino esque meets uh, Ocean's films kind of thing. It, it's it's almost like um, Ocean's Eleven done in the style of, I, I don't know, like um, the visceral nature of, or the, the balls to the wall caricatures of every single one of the actors. It's like Maybe hyper Guy Ritchie influence in here yeah, a little, a little bit, a little bit. It's it's got a lot of kind of um, I don't know that that kind of anime style thing of, sort of like oh all these bad guys are descending on the same spot at the same time. Look at how ridiculous they are. These ones are neo Nazis, and these ones over here are the sexy ones. <laughs> it is. It's um. It's it's like um. Those Cannibal Run films, you remember them? Like, you yeah. have like, they're, they're sort of a, the 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 different driving teams that always have a theme. You know, the the, the hot chicks, the police, the hillbillies. You know, yeah. um, where it, so it's kind of that sort of thing here. And we have separate teams of people trying to track down this bloody Israel character to kill them, and each of them. So maybe there's a warriors influence there. Like, of you know, each of yeah. these teams has to have it have a theme um but i didn't feel that when i watched the film i should know other than the fact that you know obviously every gang and warriors has um has a theme yeah. um and that's kind of original and different yeah. um so we our plot here revolves around buddy israel played by uh jeremy Piven, uh who is a as the uh, synopsis says a las vegas performer turned snitch so mm -hmm. he's sort of a Las Vegas performer. He's like a magician, sort of a Frank Sinatra-esque sort of character yeah. who's decided yeah, to dabble, dabble a little harder in the gangster side of things than, than Frank seems to have. Um, and he actually starts setting up scores and, like, deals and, you know, yeah. robberies and putting together crews and stuff. But then decides he, in order to sort of save his own skin, he has to turn state's evidence Mm. And you know, uh, betray some fairly senior senior figures in the uh, in the mob, which mm. preempts the idea that they put out a, a contract on this guy for several million dollars, and hence mm. every uh, hit person worth their salt uh, decides that they are going to try and scum score the uh, the bounty on him. You know what did remind me of a little bit was Bullet Train, just because that was recent, and again, you know, yep. the idea of like multiple sort of setting multiple hit hitmen or say hit yeah it's it's almost like um a comedy of errors sort of thing where there's so many people all aiming for the same thing and they get, keep getting under each other's feet and to comic slash destructive results the comedy part of it failed for me i didn't find this very funny and uh i can see how you could have played that up for mm. laughs um even you know very very violent laughs um I, uh, I i didn't get that very in this i just didn't think it was very funny it was mm. too too cliched mm. uh, and maybe maybe it needed to be a little bit more well i enjoyed bullet train i know a lot of people didn't um 
but you know they stylized the fuck out of that movie you yeah. know um and that kind of worked for that for me anyway um maybe that would have worked a little better here in the sense that they're like i felt like they were kind of charting a weird middle path where it was kind of like am i supposed to take this seriously or are you really playing this for laughs and i'm not couldn't quite figure out where they were trying to play yeah especially in some of the scenes with uh jeremy Piven's, uh buddy israel and then separate to that is uh ryan reynolds uh agent mesner and just kind of the, the general level of like the way that buddy israel is shot where he just looks so fucked up and like like he's degenerating from some kind of autoimmune disease or something just ravaging him he he never looks good or healthy or anything he looks fucked up and he is jeremy piven is really so like going for emotional depth of this character in some of those scenes where he's just crying his eyes are violently red and things like that and then on the flip side we've got this like moral um so like fresh-faced ryan reynolds being told by the the very deep dark voice of andy garcia i'll be clear agent mister and it's like okay what 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 am i watching is is this supposed to like be the wire what, what what where's the where's the funny um okay and then you've got the complete opposite of these scenes where you've got that kid who's like coked up on speed and he's just standing there with an erection it's like huh uh they didn't they just didn't land a lot of the jokes no. and i think uh maybe part of a problem here is you're looking at like i think ryan reynolds fair to say is one of the most successful action comedy actors mm-hmm. in the last 20 years or so really i mean yeah. you consider what he's done with the deadpool films and all those garbage films he makes for netflix now um you know like he's that's what he does is action comedy right yeah um and you put him in an action comedy film and you but tell you him to play you tell him, tell him to play a straight bat the whole time yeah basically he's the straight man like yeah his, you know like if you're gonna cast somebody who's on his film i would have maybe ben affleck could have done that pretty well um yeah. chris pine interestingly very young chris pine pops yeah. up and this is one of the neo-nazis now he plays Ernest very well as we've seen with Kirk mm-hmm. uh, but obviously Kirk has his laughs as well but he could have done that but you got Ryan Reynolds in your film and you don't give him any jokes uh I don't I don't understand that I mean I guess it was before I guess a lot of that stuff had landed for him uh, he hadn't done yeah all those big successful films he's known for now but it's kind of like it's a bit of a huge miss when you have someone of his t- capabilities and stature in your film and you don't give them any jokes yeah it's it's an odd one but to you know looking at 2007 let's let's have a look because i think that was also in a point where he was trying to be a little bit more serious just it's sort of been not too far behind the but the, the wolverine film he played the the first deadpool with the yeah because there um, was yeah there was um He'd been doing a whole bunch of the sort of like romance comedies and things, mm. and people kind of suddenly just went, "Oh, he's hot!" When he was Hannibal King in Blade Trinity, um, the, the Amityville Horror. Then he did this, um, the Nines, which was that sort of like odd story, um, and then he kind of 
in, in, by 2010, he was in Buried. Do you remember that one? Oh, yes. That was um, a very serious film. I've never seen that, actually. But mm. it was um, Hitchcock-esque, I think. Yeah, because it's all just him in a, in a coffin. And then the following year, uh, possibly his highlight, Green Lantern. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, you're right. Like, maybe it's just that it's I'm being it's me looking back with hindsight, going, "That's what this guy does so well. He's one of the biggest yeah. action comedy stars in the world now, yeah. and you got him in an action comedy film and playing a straight man." So, uh, I mean, that's... It, it's kind of like when whenever you look back at the really early stuff of Leslie Nielsen, and you just go, "Wait, he was a serious actor." <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, uh, so, okay. uh, but uh, other than that, um, so look, <laughs> Ryan, he does fine. But he's yeah. a little miscast. Ray yeah. Liotta's good actually in this. It's one of the better yeah. Ray because he just plays Ray Liotta. Really, yeah. Um, what you normally expect from him, uh, and he does that pretty well. I thought Ben Affleck's brief role in this was fun. Yeah. Um, um what's his name? Um, uh, the the guy who is ha oh, Team Wolf Two. Oh, Jason Bateman. That's right. Yeah, he was funny in it. Yeah, and again, he's only in it for like five minutes. Yeah, so, uh, it's it's funny that he has this this talent. Again, probably Jason Bateman probably wasn't really uh, a name star in uh, mm -hmm. two thousand seven. He's probably still on um, um rest of development. Right? Rest of development, and and not really known for movies at that point in time. But yeah, it's interesting that they've, um, and Matthew Fox was like in this for like five minutes as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like that. He's kind of well known for that. Joel Edgerton pops up for five minutes. Yeah, all these really super well known people. Um, but I just it was entertaining enough. I think maybe aside from my comment about um, Ryan not really feeling a lot out of place in this, but how do you root for Jeremy Piven? Right, you got who are we rooting for here? Are we rooting for the hitman to kill this guy because he's obnoxious as fuck, or do we want Jeremy Piven to survive? Maybe we kind of do because I guess our protagonist is Ryan Reynolds and Ryan Reynolds wants him to survive. Yeah. And it's good for Ryan Reynolds if, if, if Buddy stays alive, but I don't really want him to. Yeah. He's kind of a dick. Yeah. There's not really any redeeming characters in it that you kind of go, all right, yeah, I, I want you to succeed because for Ryan Reynolds' character to succeed, means that Buddy Israel is alive. And, yeah, he's he's a backstabber. He's he's a coward. He shows no empathy or emotion for anyone beyond himself. He is an 11-year-old child. <laughs> um, he's he, it's, it's not good. And then the twist of the story as well. It just sort of felt tacked on. Uh, I guess we could spoil it. Like, what was the twist again? Was it... A, a FBI agent who disappeared in the 60s was really behind the whole thing or yeah, something? Yeah, he was um, an FBI agent who realised that to to break to bring down the mob as is entrenched in the Americana as it is, um, you have to basically go deep down. And it's like the one of the first cases of that deep kind of plastic surgery and he fakes his own death and becomes the the person that is the, and then the, the the miscommunication of oh it's not a hit to kill buddy israel that goes out it's a hit to bring him in so that they can harvest his heart wait that's what? yeah 
<laughs> what? And then we kind of get all of that right at the end. <laughs> and then it's, with, it's it's a really nice shot. And uh, Clint Mansell does the music for this. And the music, that slow building, very minimalistic uh, theme as the camera kind of pulls away as Ryan is there next to the bed of this old guy and he just finishes him off. It's like, okay. All of that kind of came together and worked as a scene, but you're giving me two minutes of a good scene in a movie that's purposefully messy. It was very rushed, wasn't it? It just sort of like, yeah. oh, this thing and this thing and this thing and this. Oh, it's over. Okay. Um, it's I would say this is about the right length for the film, an hour 48, an hour 50 is probably yeah. where you want a film like this to come in. Yeah. Um, in terms of time, but maybe they should have borrowed some time from somewhere else in the film to give it they really wanted that twist to stick. Yeah. Um, to to really make a little bit more sense and to really hit home, maybe a little bit more time should have been spent yeah. working with it rather than just sort of slapping it around the face like a wet fish and going, bye. <laughs> yeah, it's um I think for, for movies like this, where it's the way that they advertise it, the way that they tell the story, this is about double the sex in half the time. And it's about being quick, being quick, boom, 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 not giving you a time to even fully process everything that you've seen because it's all like, okay, this is literally a roller coaster. And the camera kind of zooms in from one scene to the next, to the next, to the next. It kind of feels frenetic. But then at the same time, there's something, scenes that just kind of go, and you stop. And it's sort of like, like the, the, the whole sequence of sort of like the, the cum stain on the um, material and things like that. It's sort of like, oh, okay, you've already painted a pretty good picture that these guys are just oh, not nice. Do you need to spend more time doing that? I don't think you do. Let's get back to the, you know, the absurdity of seven or eight different people all trying to get the one guy. It's like... That could have really worked. And there are parts yeah. of it, like the um, Alicia Keys and the sexy assassins mm -hmm. were interesting enough. Mm -hmm. So it just didn't give us enough time for them to really give a shit about them. Yeah, The neo-Nazis had potential, maybe because Chris Pine is fucking charisma on legs. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like, you know, the guy could read the phone book. That's an old saying, isn't it? What's um, <laughs> a phone and, book? And he could probably make it fairly interesting. But maybe I should have seen that and gone, these, is, these guys, their scenes are really popping. Yeah. Um, and more about hijinks and shenanigans of them trying to step on each other's toes and uh, rather than sort of really incredibly stylized shootouts, which, you know, kind of played out by 2006 you know we saw i have seen face off by now uh yeah you know? uh and john woo does it a lot better than joe carnahan yeah uh it was a, a almost of a film like it yeah almost pulled off that hilarious richie-esque you know tarantino-esque you know violent <laughs> comedy action comedy but so and it almost did that kind of high jinxy kind of uh, approach as well but it didn't quite didn't i just, just don't know that i wanted to it really figured out exactly what it wanted to be mm. just one of those things was it yeah um, 
and I think I think it. I don't like putting it all on one person, but I think it does fall down to Joe Carnan because the writing of the characters is not as snappy and fast as like the stuff that we we saw before this in things like um, uh, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels or the. Uh, banter between Jules and and anyone that he was in in Pulp Fiction, or th- there was there was none of that kind of pop to it. There were there were microcosms of it, but then it was also at the same time just lazily filmed, which feels weird to say considering how frenetic it is. It's like okay, yep, you're blowing up a set. You're not doing it very well if that's if that's how I'm feeling. I think if you see his later work, and what I have seen of his later work, like you and I saw The Grey. We talked about that last yeah. time. We yeah. walked into that and we didn't know what it was, and I was bored shitless. Yeah. <laughs> I know people like that film. I'm sorry if you're one of them, but you're, mm-hmm. um, you're, you're wrong. Um, <laughs> but I did see The A-Team as well. I remember that yeah. TV show, and that was trash. Yeah. Um, and the other one I can recall seeing is Boss Level, which came out a couple of years ago, yeah. um, which was it had Mel Gibson in it and uh, uh, Frank Grillo and Naomi Watts. And that was just, again, the, the nugget of a good idea just, you know, turned up to, you know, with a volume and the and yeah. down to 11. And no actual nuance or skill or talent in bringing it to the screen. It wasn't bad. No. It was just, meh. And it I kind of forget. I haven't seen Bad Boys for Life, so I can't comment on that. Don't, just don't, don't go there. Just don't. no, please. No. <laughs> so I think he's kind of an almost, almost filmmaker. He's like he maybe saw the same films growing up as the guy Richie Savoy. And you know, you know, you really are kind of downtrodden in the world of filmmakers when I say you're an almost guy Richie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know. <laughs> I'm not exactly saying you're an almost Kubrick here, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's you're a photocopy of, of Guy Ritchie, and that's not where you want to be. Mm, no, not really. But it's it was okay. It was just meh. yeah. There's I, I I just genuinely I the, like there was little elements like when um, Alicia Keys' character sees the um, the 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 neo Nazis. And the just the kind of almost nothing dialogue and just Chris Pine being charismatic and fucking gross and things like that was just cool. And Alicia Keys kind of played it against it. And that that as a style could have worked with so like the times where these very, very hyper characterized pe- people meet each other, it's we're just seeing them kind of looking at the other person with complete absurdity is like, is this person even real? I mean, what? what? <laughs> but they don't go with that either. It's, mm, it's a shame. It could have been better, but like, you know, it, it probably very much represents his time a little bit too. You know, uh, I don't know. You, I'm pretty sure you saw it as well, but it reminds me of a Clive Owen film, Shoot Him Up. Yeah, that's a guilty pleasure of mine because of just the absurdity of it. It's way too long, for one thing. But I appreciate that the the, the whole crux of that movie is like, all right, we want to make, to make a movie with essentially three fight sequences in it. 
part one, part two, part three, and that's it. And we're just gonna keep the action going. Okay, that's that's a that's a fun science experiment. Cool. Not a great movie though. No, uh, I think he killed someone. I think I watched it and he killed someone with a carrot. Yeah. Um, and I was like, mm, I don't know about this. Um, so I he's kind. Of, I am kind of um, biased against these kind of films. Yeah. You just got no heart, man. No heart. Um. Anyway, so it's, I have the keys now if you have nothing else to say about smoking i have nothing else to say about this movie we have said enough i am had the it was you you noted this when you picked this last time um it has a lot of exits um and an insane amount of exits uh and actually in some ways that makes it difficult because you kind of go what about this what about that um but i chose to uh follow jeremy piven Okay. And we are going back to the 90s. 1992's Bob Roberts. Bob starring Robert. Tim Robbins, Gene Carlo Esposito, Alan Rickman, Ray Wise, Gore Vidal, David Strathairn, James Spader, Helen Hunt. So, again, plenty of exits. Written and directed by Tim Robbins, a conservative folk singer, turns his hand to politics, running for the U.S. Senate. He is not above dirty tricks and smear campaigns to gain an advantage over his opponent. Um, has it, I've never seen it, but no, it has yeah. a pretty pretty good reputation uh, in terms of has a 7 on IMDb, a 70 on Metacritic, um, and heck, if I thought then I would give it a go with something completely yeah. new to me. Um, I think okay, I remember. Yeah. And it's got Jack Black in it as well, Susan Sarandon. Uh, Fisher Stevens, uh, John Cusack, Bob Balaban. And you're uh, definitely going to get a few, a few places to go out of this you, one, that's for sure. You are not going to be short of, uh, no. you know, George, George Bush Sr. is in it as well. So, you know, um, if you if you really wanted to go, I don't know what he'd be in, but, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I, think you'll, I think you'll have no trouble finding yourself uh, something interesting to, to do yeah. after this. Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> And yeah, I can. Uh, I am curious. It's sort of kind of. We watched a trailer the other day, and I'm like, it almost, almost reminds me of Donald Trump. Um, so, <laughs> but you know, uh, twenty years early. So that's that's our that's our target for next time. Okay. All right. There we go, ladies and gentlemen. Bob Roberts. Let's... I think I might have to help you with a copy of this. It's just you know. I was I was gonna say I don't know if this one's gonna be easy to find. You would have thought so with that kind of cast, though, right? Um, but no, apparently not. We are, we are, you know, um, entertainment-wise, Australia is a third-world country. <laughs> uh, a little bit sometimes, but I it always shocks me. Like you come across these films. I remember when that came out. That's a major studio film. It's not like yeah. a little independent thing. And they literally, you literally can't legally watch it online oh. sometimes. And you're like. I don't get it, but anyway. I wouldn't be surprised if we do start, you know, especially if the, the writer strike just keeps on going, they're going to start going, all right, we need new content. What isn't available somewhere? Let's buy the rights to that. Well, I mean, yeah, it's, I, I just look at it sometimes and I'm like, why, why would you not sell? I guess everybody wants to have their own streaming service now. So, um, yeah. you know, it, it's a case of people just sort of, or, or studios 
thinking they can make more money renting it out than they get from you know the Netflix of the world. And when you hear what people are getting paid, um, yeah. sometimes like uh, for for their work, you kind of go, well, maybe it wouldn't be worth it. Yeah, and I tend good. to think those big studios would earn more than the plebs working on a uh, Orange is the New Black. But you know, <laughs> should we move on to uh, the big new release? Yeah, let's um, new release. Let's yes it's, it's, it's still kind of new because we haven't had a chance to watch blue beetle yet i didn't think it comes out here until next week <laughs> uh, that is of course oppenheimer yes i think it might still be in the uh um top 10 films at the uh box office so you know i US believe so i think it recently just got over 700 million worldwide still number three at the u.s box office behind barbie and blue beetle so you know and that came out probably a month ago so that's um yeah. that's a good news story for oppenheimer of course is the new christopher nolan film the second half of barbenheimer yep um the story of american scientist j robert oppenheimer and his role in the development of the atomic bomb mm -hmm. written and directed by christopher nolan also written by k bird and matt show and I think it's based on a book by uh, yeah. uh, stars Killian Murphy as Oppenheimer, Robert Oppenheimer, Emily mm -hmm. Blunt as Kitty Oppenheimer, Matt Damon, Leslie Groves, Robert Downey Jr. And, and let, let's just before we get sort of like run down the full list of it, should we just make it make a point of um, do you it, it's when you suddenly have people who were Oscar nominated as cameos essentially like. Um, What's his face? Um, Kenneth Branagh? Huh? Kenneth Branagh? Well, Kenneth Branagh, as well as I was actually thinking more, um, what's his face from Bohemian Rhapsody? Oh, um, yeah, him. <laughs> <laughs> we are amazing at this. <laughs> uh, it's, I have, you know, when you work all day, I just say, you know, it's, it's just um, excuses, excuses, just excuses. Rattle, rattle them off. Yeah, it's fine. Well, it's not fine. only an Academy Award nominated, he won. Yeah. Uh, Rami Malik won that the Oscar is, for yes. Best Actor. Um, yeah. And you're right, he turns in a, a, a very small role in this film. Yeah. Uh, that it says something about the drawing power of Chris Nolan now. Yep. Because uh, it's it's an insane cast. So I was saying Killian Murphy, Emily Blunt, Robert Downey Jr., Alden Ehrenreich, Jason Clark. I'm just going through the ones I actually know or by name. Kenneth Branagh, Tom Conti, David Crumholz, uh, Josh Hartness. Yeah. Um, Florence Pugh, Matthew Modine, David Dasmalshian, Matt Damon we mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, uh, Remy Malik's in there. Um, and Casey Affleck's in there. Yeah. It's it just goes on and on and on. It's uh, Gary it's, Oldman. Let's not forget Gary Oldman. Yeah. Um, it's it's just a a crazy crazy cast. Um, uh, and I've probably forgotten somebody in there as well who I've I've skipped over quickly. But it's it's an insane cast. Yeah. And let, let's let's just also sort of highlight, ladies and gentlemen, that just the pure uh, mathematics of this, shall we? It's still in number three in America for biggest movies at the moment. It is close to you know for some for some of those movies like Barbie is not exactly a long movie, and Blue Beetle is not exactly a long movie. Oppenheimer is three hours long, 
you literally can't view it as many times as these other movies in a day and it's still doing this well and it is a somber considered piece compared to the plastic fantastic barbie or the stereotypical oh yes it's it's the new month which means there's a new superhero movie the blue beetle this is this is kind of counter programming at its best <laughs> and the other thing about it in terms of just in theater economics is it's showing in a lot of um imax theaters as well yeah of which there aren't many i mean there is one in our city yep um and I, there wouldn't be another one until sydney i guess in the us i think sometimes as well yeah sort of one or two per state and there are stories of people driving for hours yeah and because the imax sessions are booked solid like you can't get a seat four months for from for quite a few of these um yeah this is says something about the drawing power of of chris nolan and and um his filmmaking and a cast like this uh people will drive for hours to sit in and uh, i mean i don't I can't remember what it costs here but they cost extra to go to imax it's not it's like double the price of a normal movie ticket i think um so you know you're going to drive for three hours really going to pay extra to sit uh in an imax theaters to see the film the way the director intended to be seen it says something about um his fan base but also i think more broadly it says something about people want to see quality films um with actual artistic merit um so a standard adult ticket um in general for uh, the imax in melbourne is 43 dollars for a standard 64 dollars for premium adults only 38 or concessions wonder what you get for a premium adult only session um if you have to ask though um if you have to ask you can't afford (laughs) i was gonna say that's probably maybe it's probably double what you would around about double what you'd normally pay for a movie thereabouts maybe a little bit less than double depending on where you go but like that's a lot um and so it's quite remarkable it's doing so well so you're right it has now taken 722 million dollars worldwide on a 100 million dollar budget so triple that, mm-hmm. maybe what you say to to get your money back, and then so they've got their money back, well and truly. So yeah. Um, well, what did you, what did you think of the film? Enough about the economics. What did you yeah. think of the film itself? I really liked it in many many ways. It is a powerhouse performance by Killian Murphy, um, and he really embodies that Oppenheimer distant look and the way that Chris Nolan kind of suffuses sound or the absence of sound and the sparking of explosion to illustrate what's going on in his head is really, really good. I do feel that like the theme of this movie has been kind of done quite a bit the um the put upon genius that was like um basically hoodwinked by their government to do amazing things and thrown to the fucking wolves i'm talking about the imitation game for example with bendit cumberbatch and the way that they um treated um 
uh, that guy whose name I can't remember. I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> Siri is upset with you as well. Um, oh gosh, I am having a good freaking night. I yes, can't remember yeah. all that. Um, um, the uh, it is of course Alan Turing. Uh, Alan Turing yes, the Turing of oh, the Turing. Oh my god. Uh, yeah. You can you can just switch off now, guys. Uh, we're, <laughs> we're fucking this up. Oh my god, it's terrible. This is terrible. what happens when we're, we're out of practice. We get fighting fit. Um, but that that idea of being hoodwinked and the subtle message of just because you're a genius doesn't mean that you are going to be able to win at life. Because there will always be people who can use your genius in a way that you didn't consider. Um, I did enjoy, um, Robert Downey Jr.'s character and the kind of the weaving of that one as well. Um, but at the same time, it's, I felt like it, in spite of going relatively deep on some elements of Oppenheimer, I still don't really know Oppenheimer. I know some of the events around him, but I don't feel like it's its not actually about the bomb. I don't feel it's actually about him. It's just giving us information and it's delivering it in an entertaining way. And it, it kept me engaged for the whole thing. But at the same time, I kind of felt like, ah, it's not quite going as deep as I was kind of expecting this is oppenheimer the man that so many people can quote now i have become death destroyer of worlds as is on the t-shirt <laughs> but most people wouldn't actually necessarily know that that's Robin, uh, Oppenheimer, <laughs> oppenheimer and like what that's in relation to it's... Uh, well, I mean, it's hard for me to know because I always knew it was Oppenheimer and I always knew he was quoting the, um, the Hindu scripture. But I can't mm. right. I, I, I apologize if I'm pronouncing it poorly. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it, well, I mean, I don't know if you saw, but they, they, um, a number of people in India got pretty upset uh, at the scene in the film where um, he reads the Bhagavad Gita, the line from the, the actual holy book. Yeah. Uh, whilst having sex with Florence Pugh. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of people asking it for it to be banned in India as a result of that, because that is the obviously majority Hindu country, and they take that shit very seriously over there, mm -hmm. um, as most religious folks do. Um, but um, it's hard for me to understand that people wouldn't know that. I mean, if they didn't, then they do now, because they've gone and seen a film about the guy. Um, yeah. I disagree that it didn't go deep enough. And I just disagree potentially partly with your your characterization of how things rolled for him. The second part, but he was run over by his government afterwards, is certainly true. Mm. Um, but he was hoodwinked into doing this. I don't for a, think for a second he was hoodwinked into doing this. I think he saw very clearly um, partly for what he was doing was a lose-lose situation. And I think that, I think Killian Murphy might, God, he was good in this. Mm -hmm. I mean, if he doesn't get an Academy Award for Best Actor for this, I mean, like, just put put your glasses. I mean, use a horse racing parlance. Put your glasses down. I don't see anybody getting close to him for Best Actor. Robert Downey Jr. is also a lot for Best Supporting for this. But uh, aside from that, I, I think he understood that it was a lose lose in the sense that either we 
developed the bomb first and released this, you know, horrible technology into the world that we can destroy ourselves with, or the Nazis do. Mm. And well, I don't. I felt like the the film characterized it quite well that he understood that releasing his tech into the world, releasing his kind of this evil uh, onto humanity, maybe wasn't a good thing. Uh, well, far from it. It was a horrible thing he was happy he was mm. doing, but it was the least worst option available given the circumstances. Mm. Um, and and I, I think the film portrayed that pretty well. He knew going in this with open eyes that he what he was doing. Mm. Uh, whether he certainly didn't probably see the um, uh, the, the backlash against him for his involvement with communist organizations because like, who would have seen that they were their allies during the war. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess so on that front, I would I saw that a little differently, but um, I think this is the, the the definition of a good biopic. We've talked about it many times. So, uh, the ones that I like, try and tell someone's story from beginning to end, mm. you're just biting off far too much for a two hour, in this case, three hour film. Yeah. Uh, you instead pick some critical life moments to tell stories of. We didn't quite do the uh, Jobsian vignettes of, of mm. um, Aaron Sorkin, um, but I think the fact that the first two thirds kind of deals with a bomb. Mm. Um, and then the final third deals largely with his trial. While obviously very dispersed a little bit in the first two thirds, but if you can break it down that simply, the first two thirds is about leading up to the development of a bomb, which you kind of, I just kind of expected that would be what the film was about because mm. I sure as fuck didn't know the second half of this story. Um, mm. And I, I, don't, I don't think you, I don't expect to walk into a three hour film and walk away with a full understanding of somebody, I expect to walk out with a better understanding of somebody. Mm-hmm. I want the full understanding. I'll read the book. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't disappointed with um, the amount of material we got. I, 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 not knowing anything about Oppenheimer, I didn't go in going, "Wow!" So I didn't, I didn't see what they didn't mention that time. He took a crap at that roadside uh, truck stop, and you know. That's uh, why it worked out that it would become a mushroom cloud. <laughs> it didn't, and he didn't wash his hands afterwards. I was very, very, very. A friend of mine refused to see the film because he had read that there was a scene where they used the wrong American flag. Oh my God. Now, he's not, he's not no bullshit. He was questioning seeing the film because, like, there's a scene where they. After the bombs developed, they were waving American flags and it's got 50 stars on it. When it should have been even 49 or something. <laughs> Somebody counted the stars. <laughs> That's what happens. That's what um, happens, Chris Nolan, when you film on such amazing technology. People can pick it apart. <laughs> this is while I was still in the theaters, though, right? Like, this is this yeah. not on home video or anywhere. It's like, it's ha- someone's got their phone out and, like, taken a photo and counted the stars or something. It's like, nerds um so it, it, let's just deal with the logan paul criticism because mm. when it comes to film criticism i think i think most people are interested in what logan paul has to say mm. uh about about all things cinema and that is um this is just the people a bunch of people uh uh talking about sitting and talk, talking for 90 minutes they're just talking yeah uh, here's the thing He's not wrong. Uh, he's he's not, not wrong. But the thing is that... Um, what did he expect? Well, I don't know what he expected. Have you, I mean, maybe maybe he'd just seen The Dark Knight. Well, I mean, let's let's try and play be as 
completely uh, fair to to Mr. Paul as possible, in the hopes that he may choose the sponsor of the show. Um, yeah, I am prepared to drink a can of your crap energy drink on the air and say it's wonderful. Um, have you have you seen their energy drink? No, I don't want to. I, I think it's called Prime, and like literally, people were like buying cases of it, and then it would sell out at supermarkets, and they would like resell it um at like on like ebay and like facebook facebook marketplace and stuff for like double the price like because you couldn't get it um that's called scalping well i'm not worried about people who do that because if there's money to be made i I guess fine but like Mm -hmm. the fact that people were like queuing up to buy an energy drink but anyway um the film does have a lot of people talking in rooms i Mm. think that's that is a fair fair comment Mm. But if you've I seen, think, um, um, mm. you've only seen the Dark Knight trilogy, and then you saw Interstellar, and maybe you saw um, the last film exactly. we did, with, you know, uh, Tenet. Like, there's a lot of action in those films. True. Maybe that's what he what he was getting, but like and Oppenheimer, it, like killing Hitler or something. <laughs> but I, 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 I don't know. I mean, yeah, the poster looks more ominous and as if it's going to be an action movie with the bomb behind and flames and Killian Murphy looking dour, like he's some kind of mildly updated version of the Grim Reaper with the <laughs> iconic hat. But um, it's like, okay. I mean, did, did you not look at the trailer? Um, I guess. I mean, I've... But I guess my response to that criticism would be, yes, it is a lot of people talking in rooms. Yeah. That's that's not a, in the words of Diamond Dallas Page, that's not a bad thing. It's a good thing um, in the sense that we get a lot of story that way. And it's beautifully written. Yeah. It's one of the better written scripts I can remember. I think this might be the best script no one's ever written. Um, I, possibly, I, yeah. I, I think it's to make this kind of thing interesting. Mm-hmm. enough to keep me and i was transfixed for three hours mm. hearings and stuff you know like i loved every second of it and i'll put my hand up and say you know i'm a big fan of two people talking in a room as a movie if you can keep that interesting for me that's my mm. jam um and he did do this in this film mm-hmm. they, they, and the actors they bought their a games so look i guess logan's right there are a lot of people talking but like you know it, that's it, it, the point that is the point. Yeah. It would be like someone watching him wrestle in WWE. It's like, oh, they jump around a lot, don't they? <laughs> could, could he stand still for a couple of minutes? I, I'm not sure. Not I get, I, for God's how, sake. How am I, you know, <laughs> I, can't, I can't work out if I like his tights or not because he's not standing yeah. still long Like enough. this fashion show is so strange. <laughs> it's, 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 it's very different. And... But, you know, every, everyone's entitled to their opinion, of course, but it's just that odd one for him to come out and say and do. I mean, I guess it's to make people talk about him. But uh, well, I don't think he needs it. Like, yeah. yes, what I understand, uh, he is not, strictly speaking, a wrestler. He is a YouTuber by nature, I think. That's where so. he became famous. Um, <laughs> an entrepreneur because he sells his energy drink. Um Mm-hmm. I think he wrestles a bit now. And from what I yeah, understand, he's, he's, not ter- he's not terrible from what I, I've heard. Um, 
I quite like Eric Bischoff's podcast and he talks about him quite um, respectfully. Mm-hmm. Or at least says he brings he brings uh, he brings dollars. Um, so uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Uh, so I don't think but he needs I, it. Like he's incredibly popular. I don't understand why. But, but he needs more. Uh, I don't think that the publicity for, I guess, the kind of people who like us who are going to go really. You thought it was too talky. Are probably not the kind of people he's looking to, you know, make money <clears> off. And you know, I can hear people off in the distance. Like really, they're saying how they love this long ass movie where. Nothing really happens, just talking. They're complaining about long movies all the time. It's like, yes, because they actually use that time effectively and to tell the story to, because it is a slog and Oppenheimer went through a slog and it wasn't just three hours that he was going through a slog. It was for years after the fact before he even got the slightest bit of an olive branch. Well said. I, I do complain about long films a lot, and I think I should say I complain about long films a lot. And if I go back to the film that last year, The Batman, mm. like I remember complaining vociferously about that being three hours long, or the better part of three hours long. Mm. And I've always said I have no problem with you making a three-hour film as long as you have three hours of story. Mm-hmm. And like you know, a, a, a three-hour Batman film confused the shit out of me because I'm like, I don't see how. There's a three-hour story in the Batman story. And, you know, I was right. There isn't. Uh, and that film was way too long and mm-hmm. bloated. Um, mm-hmm. I won't relitigate that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this one, you know, or um, so many of it. Uh, I saw a film, believe it or not, I'm going to go off, off topic for a second, which never happens. Um, I saw a film on a weekend at the Melbourne International Film Festival called The Delinquents. Uh, it was an Argentinian film. Uh, like I said Michelle being uh, from her family. She's changed you, man. <laughs> but I, we went with her parents because I thought it'd be really nice, like, for them to be able to go see a film um, in Spanish, in Argentinian. Uh, I say Argentinian with um, you know, it is Spanish spoken in Argentina is a little bit different to other parts of even Latin America. Uh, and my God, it went for three hours. <laughs> and like, it like I didn't. We didn't check for runtime before we actually booked the tickets. Oh dear. Uh, we just we just booked it. We thought, oh, that sounds interesting. It was a bank a bank robbery or something. Um, <laughs> and oh my god, oh god! Like when you compare this to Oppenheimer, which I was at the edge of my seat the entire time. You know, it was like, can't wait to see what I can. Please, I'm happy for this to run another half hour. But you can see. Katita is now done with my off-topic bullshit right now. Over in the background. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to go let her out in a second. Um, but you know, oh, compared to this, the delinquents, I was like, after about two hours, I was like, oh, let me go fuck out of this fucking cinema. And like, I was like, oh, please, please, please let them say, let's go. I'd love it if they would just say, let's go. Because it was just me and Michelle. I would have gone, yoink, I'm leaving. But like they wanted to stay, and I was like, oh, I got no problem with that, right? You want to stay, you paid for your ticket, stay and see the movie. And I thought they were enjoying it. Um, oh, they, they, they weren't. Um, they uh, just wanted, I don't know what they wanted to stay as well. And I was like, oh god, it was so bad. Like, there you go, three hours when there was probably 40 minutes of actual story in that film, and like that is just in it's almost insulting to your audience, you know. Like, I'm gonna waste two and a half hours of your time with my bullshit 
um, because, you know, I feel like there's three hours in this, but like, I'm sorry, off topic. That's when I say, if, if, when I complain about long films, it's because you do not have the story to support mm. that runtime. It's just self-indulgent. Well, yeah. I have been critical of Nolan for that, especially with Tenant. Yeah. This one, I feel like it was exactly what the um, story required. Mm. It's what it's the exactly the same argument that we've had. Oh, just lost Travis, but that's okay. <laughs> it's exactly the same argument that we have with those conversations where we talk about gender swapping a character. Do it if you're going to use that to inform the story and make it interesting. The length of this movie and the sit down talking and berating that Oppenheimer suffers through. Nolan uses that and uses that to inform on the story and uses the length of the movie to inform on that. It works because it's intentional. It's intentionally done to elicit a feeling from the audience and to elicit a connection with the character. Simple. It's the special effects. Let's move on to something. It's like the effects. Mm. There are a fair explosions in this film. This film looks good for a hundred million dollars. Yeah, when you, I mean, like it's a different kind of film, but when you compare it to a lot of the shit that Marvel's come out with lately, yeah, I know. Last week it came out that the Secret Invasion was the lowest rated Marvel TV show yet, right? Um, up. and it looked terrible. Yeah, and like, and, and obviously, in fairness, they're trying something far more fantastical than, than Oppenheimer was, but they spent well over a hundred million dollars in that show, and it looked like trash. Yeah, uh, whereas you can see someone who actually with some thoughtful time and, and uh, some use of practical special effects, I think, as well. Mm -hmm. um, a combination of practical and CGI. It looks incredible. And let's let's also point this out. So what's the budget for Oppenheimer, please, Travis? 100 million. 100 million, uh, sorry. 100 million. So the first Thor movie was 150 million. And they had a supposedly lived-in, pre-existing town, which looked far more like a set than Oppenheimer's. We're literally going to build it for this movie, which would have made sense because they built it yes. in like six months. It was a town built on the fly. So yes. if it looked like the town from Thor, that would have been completely historically accurate. And I should also note that 150 million was 15 years ago. Yeah. Um. So it, it, I am in awe of what they did with the effects in this. Um, mm -hmm. The acting's incredible. The story's incredible. The effects are incredible. Mm -hmm. We haven't even touched on some of the great performances in here. Florence Pugh does a lot with not much in this. Mm -hmm. um, Josh Hartnett. I mean, I haven't seen Josh Hartnett in something. I think he. I loved seeing him on screen. I I'm a big Hartnett fan. Always have been, and. He brings something very interesting to that role as well. There's that he's still got just just a touch of that sort of like um boyish, handsome man, but he's carrying a little bit more weight and a little bit more age, and he's he's using it well to for for this character, which it's not easy being Robert Oppenheimer's friend. <laughs> and kind of being the bad guy in a few situations. He was almost an antagonist in yeah. some parts. Um he popped up, of course, in Black Mirror this year um, in one of the more, well, it wasn't the best episode, but an interesting episode nonetheless. And um, so if you're going to see him again in Oppenheimer, it's great to see him back. Mm. 
what I was fascinated by, and it's off topic slightly again, is that he had the chance to work with Nolan uh, back about 15, 16 years ago. He apparently was one of the final choices for Batman. Uh, yeah, that's and, right. And apparently he said no. Depending on who you ask. Um, considering the trajectory of Josh Hartnett's career, yeah. to say, I think this is going to spark it again. I think everyone's going to go, Oh, Josh Hartnett. Yeah, okay. He can he can actually act like but like uh before um Black Mirror this year, the last thing I think I saw Josh Hartnett in, I am just got 30 days of night in 2007. Um yeah, I'm looking down. Um ooh. Yep. Yep, that'll be Penny Dreadful. Um Right, okay. It's and that's going back almost ten years now. Yeah. Um, uh, did I see Thirty Days? I feel like I saw Thirty Days of Night with you, but it wouldn't have been because you wouldn't have been in Australia yet. Um. Anyway, no. <laughs> I'm getting confused. Uh. Either way, but he's like little snippets like that guy. He's only in a he's a, he's a supporting role. He does yeah. a lot with it. He's a very important part of his film. Yeah. Um. I think Matt Damon gets a little bit overlooked in all of this in the sense. Of yeah, Murphy. he did. Really. Well, and he was going to take a break from acting, but then Chris Nolan called him. It's like, sorry, honey, I've got to go to work. <laughs> um, and but this is the best thing that Robbie Downey Jr. has been in since Iron Man. Um, yeah. And again, like I said, I am dead certain he's getting best supporting actor in this unless somebody does something amazing. Ryan Gosling. Yeah, but I don't know. It's kind of hard. Like I, I, I'm of the opinion Barbie will get best on oh, no, for best director, best original screenplay. If you call it an original screenplay, yeah. uh, I think Margot Robbie will get a nod. I'm sure. I'm sure Ryan Gosling will get a nod. Um, I think uh, Greta will get a nod. I just think it's going to be really fucking hard for them to vote for the Kim playing Ken over, um, you know, an important historical figure in such an important film you know like i i kind of think <laughs> you know if you're, you're playing oppenheimer and you lose to the guy playing a plastic doll um and then to know. rub it in is it like and now for a musical interlude our best supporting actor is going to sing his best best winning original song Can i think I? he will i think that's going to happen i think i reckon i'm just ken he's going to be nominated for best song original i think so uh, is it original song? More of a more of a chance than um, Peaches. Uh, well, yeah, it's probably in, in in the conversation, but it's actually uh, it's it's kind of a banger. Um, so, and usually they get the actual performer to perform it at the Oscars, don't they? From memory, so yeah. um, maybe Ryan will be actually on stage performing. Um, but look, yeah. <laughs> Uh, look, uh, that would say, be a beautiful dick move by Ryan Gosling if he wins Best Supporting Actor and he pulls out cons consolation prizes for all the other actors that are just Kenuff t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, uh, aside from obviously pointless Oscars and you know awards don't matter apparently, but um, it's it's how we it, he's incredible in this. He's fantastic. Yes. Um, I love the black and white of, of those scenes. Mm -hmm. Um. Alden Ehrenreich, he's, not, he's a very, very small role. I don't think I've seen him in anything since Solo. Um, and again, he's, sorry, tell her, he was in Cocaine Bear. <laughs> Talk yeah, about a, a bit of yin and yang um, <laughs> uh, of 2023 for for, uh, for Alden. He's fantastic. And there's Jason Clark, the Australian actor. Played, yeah. Um, 
the prosecutor who's in court, uh, who's kind of grilling Oppenheimer. Um, and I don't think I, he, he turns up in a, he turns up in a lot of shit. It's yeah. fair to say. Like, I think of Terminator, <laughs> the remake of Pet Cemetery. Uh-huh. You know, um, it's it's just uh, he, he turns up. He was in a lot of strange places. Um, yeah, but I think he's actually a pretty decent actor, personally. Um, he's given when he's given something interesting. Yeah, he can he can actually deliver it. He um, was good in Zero Dark Thirty, for example. Going back yeah. um, to that, um, if you if he a long time ago now. Um, and he's good in this. He plays a real prick, but he plays yeah. it well. Um, I, I just reveled in this film. It was like rubbing all over my fucking face. I love this kind of shit. It's just so in my, it's right up my alley in that I love history. It's right up my alley that I love a great filmmaker, uh, in, in Nolan. Most of the time, I really hurt me to stick the boots into him, the tenant. Um, now that, that is another way, um, we haven't talked about the sound. Oh, it's priceless. It's, it's, I, I, are we getting a little long in the tooth here? I just want to, if, if this film is as close to perfect as I could have hoped, I, you had some drawbacks, it sounds like here, for mm-hmm. me at least. I don't think I, I have no notes. Mm. I think that know what movie you're going into. You can read reviews, you can see the, uh, the trailer. This is not an action movie. Go in with that expectation and you are going to be put through a very interesting journey. This is a grown-up movie for grown-ups. Yes. This is, this I mean, I love Barbie too, and I think anyone can enjoy Barbie. Not Oppenheimer. Not. There is really... kind of a gate of entrance. And, you know, I guess you know, if you're one of those people who can't leave their phone alone in the cinema, look, I am as guilty as anybody checking my phone all the time but like if you can't leave your fucking phone alone turn it off when you go see Oppenheimer or wait till it comes out on streaming or DVD or whatever if you really want to see it because like honestly um people in my cinema who were turning their phones on and stuff and I'm like no please don't yeah no I need two thumbs up from us I think it's the film of the year so far I think so. I can't think of a, of another movie that I've watched this year that has just been the epitome of what cinema can be. And there will be people who sort of like go, oh, Top Gun Maverick reinvigorated Hollywood. Or something. Yes, there's a difference. Maybe that reinvigorated what action movies, you know, the blockbuster movie can be. That is true. This is not trying to be that. This is the considered Oscar movie. Um, the likes of, maybe you think, Ben-Hur and those magnum opus kind of things. This is this is a, a film creator, Chris Nolan, absolutely vibing beyond belief with his source material and the actors that he's gathered around him. And what a... Um... What an interesting one-two punch that was. I did do the Barbenheimer. So mm. I saw Barbie first, then had dinner, and went back and saw Oppenheimer. And there were a bunch of people in my cinema who'd done the same thing. I'm like, uh, what a weird one-two punch. But somehow I, I loved it, actually. It was wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, I, and, I, and I love what this says about original films. These are two, in different ways, original yeah. films that are not based on pre-existing properties. Okay, Barbie kind of, sort of is, but 
it's a pre-existing IP, but mm, I don't know. But like, it's the yeah. same thing. <laughs> and it's not the same thing as Fast and Furious Ten. You know what I mean? No. Like, um, these these are not sequels to move to other movies. I mean, I highly doubt we're going to get an Oppenheimer two. The mob killed his wife. This is one <laughs> nuclear physicist pushed too far. To um, <laughs> there was a smoke in Aces too, so you know there was an American Psycho too. Mm. No, I don't see this happening, but yeah, um, I think maybe this is a the moment where people start to go. These are these films trounced the you know blockbuster uh, franchise pictures that came out about the same time in uh, Mission Impossible, Indiana Jones, Fast and Furious. They all had bad. Bad openings. Um, Haunted Mansion as well. Um, to and it looks like Blue Beetle's gonna sink below the waves pretty quickly as well. By the looks of things, do yeah. maybe this is the moment where Hollywood starts to go. Hmm, maybe is a market there for original stuff. Oh, if only they paid their people enough so that they could actually get something for to put in cinemas next year. Yes, uh, it's it's going to be an awkward awkward. But back to COVID times, you know, like. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, it's it's going to be a long time, and and you've got those production companies who have pulled so many movies and said, "No, we're holding on to it until for a little bit later." Like, yep, yes, scrambling for content. It's funny, I can see it, and I, I feel like I can see it on Netflix now. I turn on my Netflix and I look at the new releases. And I reckon half of it is stuff from overseas, play, like non yeah. non English speaking content, shall we say? Yeah. Obviously, Netflix most of their content's American. So it's a lot of stuff I'm seeing from India in particular mm-hmm. um, and other parts of the world, Japan and South Korea and stuff like that. And you're like, I don't know if that's just a coincidence or mm-hmm. it's just that their content pipeline is yeah, a little empty. 100%. And, but, you know, the, um, the just speaking on um, Netflix for, for a bit, we're not going to be getting any uh, the final season of Stranger Things anytime soon. We're... You know, The Witcher was not a success. People are not interested in whatever happens next, and we're not going to get that for a long time. And I wouldn't be surprised if the backlash and disappointment that they're getting from people just not watching The Witcher is maybe a blessing for The Witcher crew. They might just go, okay, you know what? The numbers have dropped off. We're not going to be able to resuscitate this this dead roach. Let's just not go back to production and we'll blame it on the rider strike it's like yeah it's been too long the 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 heat has come off whatever blah 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 and then it's like okay what else has netflix got the animated stuff which they already said that they were cutting back on and take it's taking longer to get produced anyway all right it's like I think they're relying on their overseas library and their overseas content to keep them going. I mean, in, in obviously the markets, if they're making a great deal of like, um, I don't know if the content from India is actual Netflix content or just stuff they're buying. Mm. I think it is. But um, they, they do have at Christmas time, they've got Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon. Okay. Well. Which the trailer they released today and it is very Zack Snyder. He's Zack Snydering all over himself. Um, and it's a lot of people going, Aah! 
and screaming and like, oh, look, it's beautiful fields of hay and a cybernetic hand because you weren't expecting that, were you? Oh, no. Spoilers. <laughs> it's, and it's it's a two-part thing and it's sort of like, oh, they've got subtitles to the, to the things. It's like those things, Child of Fire and the Sin Burner or something, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't care. The trailer doesn't really do anything. Oh, it's got Anthony Hopkins narrating because he's never done that before. And he's mm. not like, have you heard of the story of Princess Issa? It's like, yes, already it sounds familiar and you haven't told me the story yet. Well, it was a Star Wars script, I think, originally, if I'm not mistaken. But they're just yeah, repurposed. So. Should we move on? We're getting a little on the tube. Yes, still gonna let's talk. move on. Sorry, ladies. I'm going to talk American graffiti and then I'm going to close the door yes cat keeps coming in and out which cats never do <laughs> that is the way of it is there a wonderful meme of uh hodor saying um hold the door hold the door hold door hold door hold door and then the cats like let me out let me out let me out meow 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 it's very true very accurate yes so last time this time so many years ago we ended up rolling and getting american graffiti the George Lucas semi-autobiographical, according to the... Oh, part, apparently he based different parts of a film yeah. on different parts of his life in the sense that the different personas he felt he had lived in different aspects of his life. Mm. Um, um, I was interested. I'd never seen this before. Yeah. Um, and it really does have a happy day feel to it. I always hated that TV show um yeah it's always on after school and i freaking hated it um uh but interestingly this is apparently the movie that in some ways inspired happy days not the other way around ah. since this um they apparently had filmed the pilot which hadn't been picked up i think the story was with ron howard in it uh, obviously uh -huh. um and it was apparently the success of this film that actually convinced film uh the tv studios to actually go ahead with the um the happy days okay. with, with Ron Howard, isn't it? Yeah. But so it is there is a connection in a way. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, just considering Ron Howard's in that and he's in this, um, that it is difficult to to kind of um to, to kind of pull the two apart because they do seem to be set in very similar worlds. Mm. Uh, yeah. I find you know what the fist film reminded me most of all. Um uh it, it's obviously a coming of age film yeah and in some ways i think the would be um one of the earliest coming of age films i, I found myself actually going down a rabbit hole going well, well who made the first coming of age film yeah um but it reminded me a lot of days and confused yeah yeah that's, sense that that's like you know the last day of school or i'll blow yeah. up and i really preferred days of confused a lot over this film yeah. i it was really 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 dull um in the sense that there's no real story you know there's Not, no central like the character, it's just vignettes which yeah you know in a way is what days to confuse is if you've ever seen that film True. um it's just more fun though like I don't think there's a lot of going on in this film in the sense that we have for different characters and this stuff happening to them throughout the night of them driving around and getting into hijinks and stuff like that, which yeah, 
It's a teenager in California's Central Valley spend one final night of a 1962 high school graduation cruising a strip with their buddies before they pursue their varying goals. Yeah. It like I don't I don't care about any of these characters. Um I don't I, I, I felt uncomfortable and awkward and it and weird with the whole um sort of like twelve year old getting in with the other one is like um, there were a number of very problematic parts of it. She's like, if you don't do this, I'll tell them all you raped me. And you're like, oof. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't know about that. Like, yeah. yeah. And it, it's supposed to be a comedy. But it's not funny. It's not funny. Um, it's not I, dramatic either. I just I just struggled with this a lot. Now you can see uh, some of uh, the filmmaker um, – Lucas would be. Um, it's perfectly cromulent in the sense it's 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 it sticks together. It looks like a film. Yeah. Um, it's just, but you also see the weaknesses of Lucas in this, in the sense that there's not really much of a story there. I mean, in the sense, his dialogue's clunky as fuck. Um, and of course, yeah. he was always famous for that. Um, you know, uh, you could, was it that um, Harrison Ford, you can write this shit, George, but you sure can't say it. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, it was speaking of Harrison Ford, it was interesting to see him popping up in this film, yeah. Uh, apart from that, I just, you know, maybe you had to live through these times to actually enjoy this film. And yeah. I, was, I was saying to Michelle, though, but like, Dazed and Confused, I enjoyed a lot. I mean, it was made in our lifetime in 93. I suppose this was made years before I was born. Mm. Um, but it, but Days of Confused was a film about a different period. It was about Linklater's, I assume, his high school days in, in the 70s. And I wasn't in high school in the 70s. And I still dug that film. But I didn't I kind of find it was very much boomer-centric, you know? Yeah. And I, th I think it's because so much of it feels very alien, of the, so like the diner where you just hang out like yeah, nowhere's that quiet anymore. You, you can't just, like, just cruise up to the front and that sort of life or just cruise in at, like, 10Ks an, an hour down the, down Main Street and just stopping, letting people in and out. It's like, it's completely different world, entirely in every conceivable sense. Like, no kid has got enough money to be able to try and cruise around like that. That, that's it's a good point yeah um it, it's interesting i um i occasionally I, I follow a facebook page which is like the long lost buildings of melbourne it's like lots of pictures of old melbourne and stuff like that and mm. every other day there's a picture of some part of melbourne that's been torn down and there'll be some boomer in the comments going oh i remember when it was like that and you could say that we haven't gone very far forward as a society since then you know you know oh it was better <laughs> back then and you're gonna like yeah it was better back then if you weren't Black, gay, a woman, <laughs> an immigrant. Different in yeah. any way. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but like, it's kind of a world here. It's a very white, you know, uh, straight world that, um, that George Lucas is telling us about. And yeah. it's a very idealized, rose colored glasses vision of the past. Yeah. Uh, and I guess that's kind of where the vibe did. I didn't like that vibe of like, Oh, wasn't it wonderful back then when we did all this cool stuff as kids and, you know. Yeah. Like, 
Yeah, but there was a lot wrong with that world too. And I guess there's nothing wrong with remembering the things you liked about being young, but I guess I just couldn't connect to it. Yeah, yeah. It's like I say, it's a, it's a, it's an alien world because nothing is like that anymore. Nothing. Was it um, ever like that, really, though, or is it just his, you know, um, vision? Yeah, filtered through. Yeah, I mean, many I, years. Yeah, there's there's just so much. Um, there's more fantasy in this movie than anything in many ways, and it's it just it just uh, I just watched it and it's like okay. The only thing I really liked about it was the the end. What do you call them? The end title cards where we sort of get the I find out about what happened. Yeah, that was interesting. It's like such and such a character, the guy who drives the hot rod, who. Um, Mm. ends up getting killed in a car accident and the yeah. young young nerdy guy ends up getting killed in vietnam and stuff like yeah. that and you're like that's interesting that's an interesting angle maybe that would have added a little bit more pathos to the story if they weren't just cruising around because it was their last night of high school but it was their last night before being drafted or something like that yeah or even you know maybe if they wanted to do the vignette sort of thing that they were so determined to, it's like all right, you know what? We'll follow one person for that night, and it'll be kind of him dealing with um, with uh, him wanting to go. But it's sort of like the relation, the open relationship. We'll talk about that, and they'll have Richard Dreyfus' character come in, and then the next element is Richard Dreyfus a few years later when he comes back and so like there's the threat of um vietnam war has gotten stronger and we've seen that the hot rod guy has died and, and and they can have separate vignettes with with that and how their lives are changing but then i don't know i i didn't I look at care like, about um, any of those characters to really want to go back to well, any of like i mean I don't. It just they didn't get the. They also didn't look like they were teenagers. <laughs> i don't know if they uh, were uh, they really uh, looked i know 210 age um, and I guess that's kind of, you know, I mean, for, I'm going to go back to it, but dazed and confused, it felt like a bunch of people on the precipice of the next stage of their lives. Yeah. Um, and then it very much felt like them saying goodbye to this stage of their lives and talk to the sort of inertia carrying them forward of that. Mm. This, I don't know. I just didn't get that vibe, but this was like the last, they didn't get the sense that this was, you know, them again on that precipice of adulthood, and this is potentially the last time he's off to college and stuff like that, where they may not see each other again or not see each other again for years, or certainly never hang out together like this again. They'll never be so carefree and uh, as this again. And I think that's what the film was trying to express, but I don't know. I just didn't get any of that because yeah, there was there was no sort of like energy behind any of them, like. Um... I just keep on wanting to call him Richie Cunningham. Uh, <laughs> Steve was like, "Oh yeah, I'm so so interested in doing this," but at the same time, he, they didn't really put any of their emphasis, emphasis on him actually not really wanting to do that. Um, and Richard Dreyfus Kurt was like, "Oh, I don't know if I'm going to go or not." It's just everyone had a malaise, and they were just sort of like, oh, "Okay, yeah, things are changing." I'm not going to put any effort in one way or the other. Which is, Ugh. again, it, it, it's if you if you sort of go back to, again, a film I did like, Days to Confuse, they're all slackers. None of them are really sure about what comes next. Mm. But they, they sent, there seemed to me a vibe, a sense of 
anxiety, anticipation, excitement, nervousness, fear from yeah. the characters in that film about what was to come next. It also helped that that film was very funny. Um, yeah. Um, this really doesn't have... This doesn't have that funny... The jokes, jokes. don't... It's not funny, so all I've got to focus on is the characters and yeah. the actual story, and I'm not getting any... It's like, I think we all like to see each ourselves on film. Yeah. Um, you know, growing up, I think of the American Pie films, I know they're kind of ridiculous, but, like, people liked that because they liked seeing themselves as teenagers on, you know, I remember when, you know, you were going to parties and worrying about losing your virginity or whatever it was, you know, like... <laughs> um, that's why the teen movies are a staple, but uh, this, I'm sorry, it's a no for me. Yeah, yeah, no, this maybe, like you say, if you'd been, if you'd grown up in this time and if this had come out when you had, like, like 30 years ago and you watched this, maybe, uh, no, it's, it's lost. Okay, uh, we're getting uh, cracking on. We do try to keep it tight, but we are failing miserably tonight. I should spin the wheel and we can find out. DJ, spin that wheel and find out what is our next target. And we've got an interesting mix this week. I'm spinning the wheel. I won't bother sharing my screen because most people don't watch the video anyway. And we are going back 10 years. 10 years. Okay, where are we going to? We are going to the horror film. You're next. Oh. Have you seen it? This rings a bell. Uh, it's a pretty low rent, pretty low budget um, film. Um, but I have seen it and I think it's pretty good. Oh, it's directed by Adam Wingard. Well, I think it's gone on the bigger and better things. Well, he, is um, it about he, King Kong? Yeah, he did the yeah. Kong versus Godzilla film. Yeah, uh, and he did the Blair Witch remake, which is a bit of left unspoken about. Yeah, but um, this yeah is an interesting little film. It is on Stan in Australia, mm -hmm. um, which I don't know about overseas. When the Davison family comes under attack during their wedding anniversary getaway, the gang of mysterious killers soon learns that one of their victims harbors a secret talent for fighting back. Um, <laughs> and that's 2013. Yeah. Uh came out about now 10 years ago. Wow. Okay. Which is disturbing. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's uh... Be a little bit more contemporary than uh, an American graffiti, but <laughs> Yeah. All right. We have got some time now for a uh a lightning fun. round of uh binge browse binge burn. browns burn. So, would you like to start, my friend? I would start. I being we're going to have to do this a bit with the strike at the moment. We're going to have to get picky about what we watch. Mm. I went back to a show last week from 2016 that I apparently completely missed called The Night Of. After a night of partying with a woman he picked up, a man wakes up to find her stabbed to death and is charged with her murder. This okay. is a, an HBO series, limited series of eight episodes or so. Uh, it is on Binge in Australia. Uh -huh. I guess it's on Max if you're in the US and you've got HBO Max. Uh, it stars uh, Riz Ahmed, uh, John Turturro, uh, okay. Bill, Bill Camp. Um, and it's a bit of a 
it's a mix of uh, a crime drama and a courtroom mm-hmm. drama about a young Muslim guy who gets caught up in this murder that he looks pretty good for. The mm. cops think it's a not slam dunk, but we're pretty sure as an audience he didn't do it, um, okay. just given our introduction to him and the kind of person he is. So we have sort of twin storylines of his lawyer, um, played by John Turturro, um, uh, working to try and figure out what's going on and trying to work against the the establishment of a police to to get access to the kind of evidence he might need. At the same time, as we learn it, we are following Riz Ahmed as he is remanded in jail, uh, remanded in custody, I guess is the way to put it, waiting trial and his need to adapt to that environment, which really sort of, you know, is a complete transformation from the kind of person he was at the start of the show to Mm. the end of a series, um, just due to that. Um, It's probably the first five or six episodes of the best. I've got to say, I'm not entirely sure that it stopped the ending, but I'm still going to give it a binge binge rating because we literally binge it in three nights. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty good tally, and and, you you need these diamonds in the rough at a time like this. Okay, nice. I am going to go on with a browse because you have to browse it because of the way they're releasing it. It's an anime zombie 100 and it's stupid (laughs) but it's entertaining because um a young idealistic um a young guy joins a a firm a a, a publishing uh, firm to um effectively uh fulfill his dream or what he thinks is his dream but very quickly over the course of a year he becomes like sunken eyed and he realizes that everyone is there and it's just constant crunch no one gets to go home it's like oh we've been here for 17 days really i've got a record of 23 days and it's just like morose and gray and drab then one day he wakes up and there's a zombie apocalypse and instead of being sad he (laughs) just lets out this massive joyous scream of i don't have to go to work (laughs) (laughs) and that's the essentially the premise of the show is him surviving and writing a list of a hundred things that he wants to do before he eventually in his mind he will eventually get eaten by zombies and it's stupid (laughs) would you binge it if it were all available i possibly would because the episodes are nice and short they're snappy there's um if you like anime this is very typical anime the animation style is great the fact that the the sad depressing real world before the zombies is so gray and bleak and dour and then in this world of zombies it's like violent colors everywhere purples greens reds everything going all over the place and just the delightful absurdity of realizing yeah the world is over that shitty job that i go to every day and work way more than i'm supposed to don't get paid enough don't get the respect i don't have to do that what would you do what would you do if all the 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 priorities are i need food water power okay what else am i going to spend my days doing whatever i want cool it's a great premise and they've adapted it into a live action tv show which is on Netflix, same as the anime. Um, 
but I haven't watched it because they're notoriously bad at live action adaptations of anime. But it's entertaining and they like release two or three episodes at a time and they're 22 minutes long. You can smash through a couple. Um, there's no, at the moment, I'm not seeing much in the way of an overarching narrative that's going to lead into so like oh it's all about kaiju and things like that or anything like that there's no big bad it's just the world is bad now and we survive and that's kind of refreshing sounds okay actually you'd almost convince me to watch it yeah it's it's worth a watch if you haven't because it's it's a if you've worked an office job it's it's great <laughs> what if <laughs> Um, my uh, second one, I'm going to put in a, a strong browse. Mm-hmm. That is, I don't know if I talked about the start of this last time, but that is Under the Banner of Heaven. Under the Banner of Heaven, a devout detective's faith is tested as he investigates a brutal murder seemingly connected to an esteemed Utah family spiral into LDS fundamentalism and their distrust in the government. Okay. Um, and he stars most notably uh, Andrew Garfield, uh, Sam Worthington, Wyatt Russell, aka Fake Captain America, um, from um, <laughs> Winter Soldier, uh, and uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and there's a Culkin in this, Rory Culkin, Rory. the other Culkin, the, 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 the very much the Billy Baldwin of Culkins. Um, <laughs> um, this is throwing knives everywhere tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Wow, the, I, I was listening to a podcast recently where I recommend this, it was about um sexual abuse cases linked to Mormon fundamentalists. And that's very much what this show is about. Uh, it's about the Mormon fundamentalism and sort of its reaction to, you know, uh, reaction, how that affects the people who get caught up in, in it um, mm. and how it's sort of its tendrils uh, and, and its connection to the sort of more official uh, version of LDS or Mormonism um, can sort of affect you know every aspect of society if you're living in mm. somewhere like utah um it, you know this is very much a, was founded by my mormons i think yeah. um and so it goes down rabbit holes of like mormon history and myths and stories and stuff like that um where its real strength is between its its main protagonist with andrew garford who plays jeb pyre who is a a a, a devout mormon um, and his partner, uh, who is a um, Native American, uh, Gil, uh, Bill Tarber, played by Gil Birmingham, who's not a name I'm instantly familiar with, but apparently he was in Twilight, so... And he's in Yellowstone, if you're so inclined. Okay. I don't know, but he's fantastic here. He plays his partner, and he's, uh, said he's Native American, and what's interesting is Native Americans play a an important role in lds scripture in the sense that like mormons think that jesus came to america and like you know that the the native americans were like sinners or something that's why they have dark skin or something like that that is not me saying that by the way that is my very rough interpretation of what the show says is (laughs) is um is is mormon fundamental mormon philosophy uh it's slow burn it got a bit too slow for me in parts that's why i am holding back from the full binge uh rating but it's 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 quality tv it's quality stuff it's an interesting story and has some really great acting particularly from andrew garfield 
Okay, my last one that I'm going to bring in it. Technically, I suppose it couldn't really go into binge or browse, but it is a strong binge for me. It is a Netflix movie, for one thing. And it is They Cloned Tyrone. Holy shit. I was not expecting this much fun. Um, it stars John Boyega, Jamie Foxx, Tayona Paris, and it's a series of eerie events thrusts an unlikely trio into the onto the trail of a nefarious government conspiracy in this pulpy mystery caper. John Boyega is borderline unrecognizable as the character Fontaine. Jamie Foxx as Slick Charles is just delightful. And uh, Tayona Paris as Yo-Yo is bloody brilliant. It also um, has got... Um, uh, Kiefer Sutherland in it as uh, like the the main kind of bad henchman, uh, like henchman leader of this organization. It's um, it's pulpy. There's a little element of, sort of like Black Mirror to sort of like the, the the social commentary that's being put through it. I don't want to say too much because I don't want to spoil it for anyone. But it's just really enjoyable and it slowly develops these characters over time and shit happens to them you think wait what oh that's good okay that's funny okay that that's clever oh okay yep now now get to the end okay that's cool <laughs> and it's it's just very very enjoyable and this is another another case of enjoyable movies make yeah. films I, I looked at this a few times and gone, I don't know what the fuck that is. But, you know, Netflix and their movies kind of like, they kind of have burnt me a few too many, too many times to take care That of is us. a very fair statement to be on. But this one is a little bit black exploitation. Um, it's, it feels like a pet passion project that's like, okay, yeah, take, take me on this ride. It's not fantastic. It's not so like changing cinema. It's not everything everywhere all at once. It's not Oppenheimer. This is just some characters, uh, some actors doing really good character work. And it, the snappy conversation and dialogue that was missing in Smoke and Aces is right here in this. And the comment, the social commentary that's peppered throughout it is wonderful and charming. It, it sticks around at two hours. It's a little bit long. But I forgive it because um, because the main actors, that main trio, are just really entertaining to watch. So check it out. Sounds like it might be worth a watch. Yeah. I think that does it for us. That's it. We've done well. Yeah. uh, After a week off or two weeks (laughs) off. (laughs) But... Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us this week live on facebook.com slash Productions, youtube.com slash armchairproducers, twitch.tv slash armchairproducers, and following us on podcast services around the globe. We have talked about Smoking Aces, our latest chain movie. We have chosen, uh, Travis has chosen Bob Roberts to be the next connection there. Um, we talked about Oppenheimer. This time so many years ago was american graffiti and now we are going to be watching your next next week as for the third film who knows we will find out next time until then good night good night